the morning star. Not too long ago, I was meeting with a student, and they're trying to discern what they're going to do in their future, kind of beyond college. And they said, well, I could do this, and I could do this. And listening, I was like, well, those are two great options. That's great. And he's like, I know, that's the problem. <laughs> How do I know what to do? Well, let's talk about that. Well, this one option, you know, it's like, ultimately, what do you want? Well, I want to draw closer to the Lord. I was like, that's the key. Why do you want to draw closer to the Lord? Because I believe he wants my happiness. Okay. So then it doesn't really matter whether we turn left or turn right. But as long as we turn to the Lord. We're given this image today in the exalted of Christ, the morning star. If you know, what is the morning star? The morning star is uh, a bright planet, sometimes Venus, but other, visible in the east, that way, visible in the east before sunrise. And so imagine you're in the dark, it's at night, and you're trying to figure out where do I go? And then you see the glow, and you see the star, and it says that's east, that the night is over, the day is beginning. This has been a difficult year for many students. Personally, with family things, I know on campus they've seen a huge increase in the amount of anxiety and depression, the amount of students seeking counseling, they announced that they need they have a need for eight full-time counselors, eight more. They already have eight, but they, they have to double the number. There's a plan to do that, thankfully. But what happens in that place when I feel the heaviness, I feel the darkness, when I, I feel like the sun is not going to come up tomorrow, like it's not going to get any better, when I don't even want to get out of bed, we lose hope. Jesus comes to show us that there's power over darkness and death and everything, every kind of heaviness. And that in Him, there's reason to hope. You know, they say that this is the first generation that feels that their life will not be better than their parents. Like ever since the 40s, basically, each generation's like, and, and we'll be able to have a house and do all this stuff. This generation's like, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to move back home, you know, like, and figure it out. Like, and that's okay. But there's this heaviness. Like I can't, and I don't know how to move this heaviness. And so I become paralyzed. I find myself stuck in video games and pornography and these other things that, that in laziness and I, and I can't I don't know how to move that the heaviness is too much and it's even to this today that the Lord desires to come with his light and hope that that darkness that heaviness is not the final answer and so we're given this, this light. You know, we began 
in darkness. The symbolism being that in the beginning of time, before there was time, there was darkness, there's chaos. And then God created the light, like we heard in our first reading. Let there be light to illumine the darkness. And even that, in the beginning of time, was a foreshadowing of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, to come to pierce the darkness of our lives. We who had been caught up in sin, we who say, I want to do what's good for me, but how come I keep choosing other things? And Jesus comes to, to break the bonds of that, of that sin. And so we, we hear this symbolism of this, this light, this candle in the darkness. I will just read a couple quotes. Let earth be glad as glory floods her, ablaze with light from her eternal king, an end to gloom and darkness. This is the night that with a pillar of fire banished the darkness of sin. O truly blessed night, worthy alone to know the time and hour when Christ rose from the underworld. The night shall be as bright as day. Therefore, O Lord, we pray you that this candle, hallowed to the honor of your name, may persevere undimmed to overcome the darkness of this night. Receive it as a pleasing fragrance. Let it mingle with the lights of heaven. May this flame be found still burning by the morning star, the one morning star who never sets, Christ your Son, who coming back from death's domain has shed his peaceful light on humanity. We need the light. We need the reminder to know that there's something more than the darkness. You know, Sometimes you feel this, as a priest, I journey a lot with people who who face death. It's amazing how many people at the hour of death, they, they reach out. They, they're, they're, they're looking for something to cling to. And they know that the only one who has power over death is Christ. And so as you, you think about it, like even someone with, with cancer, you know, who feels the heaviness. Why do, we, why do we feel the heaviness? Because we know that this cancer is going to end in death. But the truth is, for all of us, our lives will end in death, whether we think about it or not. And we as Christians, with the confidence and knowledge that Jesus Christ has power over death, that it doesn't mean we're not scared or uncomfortable, but it means that we have a deeper confidence and hope in the face of death. And so what do we do? We draw closer to the light. And when our own light begins to dim, when my hope begins to fail, when I feel heaviness, I draw closer to the light that never sets, Jesus Christ. It's, it's the light that draws us, right? I mean, when someone has a fire... People are drawn to that. You know, when, when you turn on the lights in the house, the bugs are drawn to it. You know, like, like we're just drawn to that. Um, it is Christ who draws us here tonight. It is Christ who's drawn you to seeking baptism. For as much as we think like, oh, you know, this happened and then I chose this and then I chose this. Isn't it interesting to kind of reflect back? 
and say, wow, like, I can see how the Lord has led me. For the people entering the Catholic Church, it's like I've encountered the grace of baptism, but I'm, I'm led closer to the fullness of truth and light in Christ. And, and as we draw closer, it changes us. You notice this, this angel today in the gospel, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes was white as snow. That, that when you and I, when we draw closer to the Lord, we begin to radiate with his light and his love. How many of us are here today because we saw Christ in somebody else's life and it drew us? Like there's something there. There's something I want. That's what I love working on a college campus because nobody has to be here. But there's something, someone drawing them. And then they see it in their friends and they say, I want what you have. And it draws them. And so where are we led? We're led to the Lord. We're led to this altar where we receive Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And every Sunday, or, you know, every Sunday we come and we get to experience Jesus Christ, God, with us, in us. That God just doesn't want to come into our midst. He wants to come into us. And you, it makes sense, right? Like, in heaven, heaven will be eternal union and time with God. Happiness, peace, love, no, no more suffering. No more death. No more pain. But when you and I, when we come to the Eucharist, the bread of immortality, the bread of angels, that we get to experience, even now, heaven on earth. That strengthens us. I, I will tell two stories here. I've been caught up just in the example of the saints recently. In particular, um, just think of the story of Paul Mickey. Paul Miki was um, a Japanese man, and he had been influenced by St. Francis Xavier. St. Francis Xavier had this dream, and he went to India, and he went to Japan, and then he wanted to go to China um, just to bring the light of Christ, to say that we don't have to figure it out, that Jesus has revealed himself to us. But the Japanese were suspicious of him, and so um, they arrested He was uh, 34 years old. And they arrested him and a bunch of his companions, and they made him walk like 600 miles. And along the way, they were singing. They're like, we know we're going to our death, which means we're going to see our Savior. And, and when Paul Mickey was um, raised up to be killed, this is what he said. The sentence of judgment says these men came to Japan from the Philippines, but I did not come from any other country. I am a true Japanese. The only reason for my being killed is that I have taught the doctrine of Christ. I certainly did teach the doctrine of Christ. I thank God it is for this reason I die. I believe that I am telling only the truth before I die. I know you believe me, and I want to say to you all once again, ask Christ to help you to become happy. I obey Christ. After Christ's example, I forgive my persecutors. I do not hate them. I ask God to have pity on them, and I hope my blood will fall on my fellow men as a fruitful rain. This is in the 1500s, when 
The Japanese were pretty successful in stomping out the faith. When other missionaries came in the 1800s, they found hidden communities of Christians, Catholic Christians, who had been there underground for 200 years waiting for God to come to send more missionaries. I pray for that kind of faithfulness, to remain with the light of faith undimmed. A few years back, we had a student who actually, the fuller story is when she came to college, she had no desire to be faithful. When she showed up at orientation, her mother brought her up to the table. To, uh, she's like, oh, the Catholics are here. Here, come over here. And this girl said to me, I could, I could hear her say to her mother, she goes, mom, I'm not sure I want to be Catholic anymore. To which I heard, so I responded. I said, that's okay. And she's like, what? You know, and then to which mom says, that's not okay. <laughs> I said, you have freedom. I just want you to know that we're here and you're always welcome. Well, she ended up coming to an event the first week of school and she met one of the focus missionaries and one to a couple other students. And she actually enjoyed herself. She's like, wow, that was really enjoyable. I felt like those people cared and wanted to know me. So she came back a few days later, and then she came around a little more and built relationships that were life-giving. She ended up going on the retreat. She ended up going to one of the focus conferences, uh, the national conferences. And she came back, and she was, she was like, wow, like this is amazing. Like, God loves, God's love is so big, I want everyone to know his love. And she said, first and foremost, with my family. So she went home, and she wanted her parents to know his love more. And so she's like, how am I going to get my dad to, to know his love more? I know. So she put like a book about the faith in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> and she noticed that like a week later that the bookmark had moved, you know, like. And then one day her father came to her and said, do you have another book? And he began to be, get involved in his faith. And a little while later, um, kind of in the summertime, he ended up um, getting laid off from his job. And he was you know, disappointed, but, he, but now he had faith. And he said, God must have a picture. God must be doing something. And so I trust him. That God who has power over everything, including death, well, God must have power over this. And so he's got a plan. So be it. So what did he do? He actually got more involved in church. He actually had time now to get involved not just in one Bible study, but in two Bible studies. A couple months later... He wasn't feeling well and went to the doctor. And he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I went down to visit him in the hospital. And uh, he said to me, um, Father, I, I love my wife and my daughters. But I have to be honest. I can't wait to go see Jesus. He's like, I feel bad for maybe leaving them behind. It's not my choice. But I am so excited to go meet my Lord. And so this man who was dying and had a few months to live, that here he is on his, from the pulpit of his hospital bed, preaching and giving hope and faith to his wife and daughters. Because he knew the one who has power over death. 
That's why we're here. We're human. We're weak. We're broken. And I need a power stronger than myself, a confidence greater than my own, to be the light in my life. That sometimes we wake up and it's, it's difficult or things don't go our way, but seeing the morning star, seeing the light of Christ, knowing that he's here, knowing that he will come again at the end of time, and that today he calls me to come be with him, to share in his life, so that one day I can be with him for eternity. But what's beautiful about our God is I don't have to wait till then, that my God chooses to come be with me today. And so that's what we're going to receive. For the people receiving sacraments, the sacraments are tangible encounters with the grace of God who became incarnate so that his grace would become incarnate in us. As we especially as we receive the Eucharist, the bread of heaven, the bread that strengthens us for our journey, it is not bread. It is Jesus Christ who loves us, who wants to give us hope and life and leads us.